0: and welcome to the second episode of Safe Aboucan Deals, the show with no name. A show that takes us into the magical journey between myself and other performers and creators of artistic and creative content. Today's show, I have a very special guest of Benjamin Bancole Bello. I hope I pronounced that right.
1: You have done a fantastic job. Um, You have pronounced the middle name very well usually it's the middle name that, that creates a problem for people but you've done pretty well
0: well i i i, I tap into my inner african roots uh, quick bio about you you are a you've been doing a character comedian persona for the last 11 years you've been in three edinburgh fringe festivals for our listeners who don't know what the edinburgh Fringe festival is It is the world's largest cultural arts festival. Takes place in Edinburgh for three weeks in August. Over a million and a million and a half visitors. Over 2,000 shows all happening at the same time. Not the same venue, but at the same time. And as well as Benjamin has opened the Aberdeen Comedy Festival. If I'm not mistaken, it was in 2018 or 19.
1: It was 2018, but um, I wasn't the one who opened. It was President Abonjo who did.
0: That brings us to our first question, which is tell me a bit about yourself and your character of the president. Do you ever perform as Benjamin or are you always in uniform? Um,
1: there's always a view that, because I've been doing this now, playing the character President Abonjo for the past 11 years, that people at times think that that's all I do and that I don't do anything else apart from just be President of bon Um Up until from 2011 to 2015, I performed as President Abonja constantly until someone said to me uh, in the green room by a comedian, uh, can't remember his name now, and he said, look, we can't keep calling you Mr. President, what is your real name? And the penny dropped that I had been performing across the UK for four years, and nobody knew who I was, apart from this character, President Bon So it got me thinking, hmm, maybe I should write a show about how this character has stolen my identity Taking over my life because that's how it felt, and I wrote the show. President Abond, Just stole my identity, and that was my first Edinburgh show that I took to Edinburgh. And after that show, because um, I broke out of character,
0: sorry, so I you audio, my- just, your microphone just suddenly dropped. Can, can you say that again? Okay, so can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, so.
1: Um, after that show in 2015, because what happened in the show was I performed 45 minutes of President Bon Jo in character and I then broke out of character and presented myself because I basically said I had enough of this character, I want to be myself, it's taking over my life, you know, moved into my house, sleeping with my wife and so on and so forth. So what I didn't realise was that was the beginning of benjamin myself performing as myself just breaking out of character and the challenge has always been that the character is well loved and well liked uh, across the circuit especially amongst audiences and comedy promoters at times whenever, whenever i apply for a gig as myself will say no we want president Bonjour. We don't want you. We want President Bonjo. I I got so jealous of the character. I really just got so jealous <laughs> of the character. Um, but to answer your question, I eventually ended up starting, I started performing as my as myself, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And what I enjoyed about it was the the surprise by fellow comedians who didn't know I could do straight stand up. Um, and when I got on stage. I remember one day when I went on stage and I performed uh, at a place called Top Secret Comedy Club. And this comic came to me and said, this is was so beautiful to see you on stage perform as yourself. This is just brilliant. And I just thought, is there some kind of character comedian phobia whereby they just think perhaps maybe I'm just hiding behind the uniform, because one of the reasons why I created President Bonjo was I just wanted to create something different and unique, something that stood alone, something that had its own unique selling point, you know, mm-hmm. something that had its own brand, something that, because the dictator, President Bonjo, is the first stand stand-up dictator to perform comedy anywhere in the world. I'm not aware. I'm not talking about sitcoms now. I'm mm. talking about going on stage and performing as a dictator mm. and trying to make people laugh. That character is the only character doing that. And so I wanted to create something totally different and unique. And I, I, I times found it challenging that people will not book me as myself because I knew I could perform as myself. I, I emceed gigs. I performed. So it was, it was, it was nice to just be yourself. And perform. But interesting enough, even when I perform as myself, mm. MCs will make a, a mistake and say, Oh, I want to bring up to you the next act. His name is President Abonjo. Then he will realize that he or she will realize, oh, he's not President Bonjour, it's actually Benjamin Bellow. So the, the, the dangers of, of 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 playing a character is you end up almost stigmatizing yourself. You know, almost like it's it, even there were times when I posted on social media that I was performing as myself, and my fans would say, Oh, you can't kill the character, you can't kill President Bonjour." So <laughs> it was like, it, Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's um, it's
0: uh, I know that it's been an interesting journey. I was actually thinking, I mean, before I go on to the next question, I was actually thinking last night of who could the first character comedian B, and it struck me the tramp that was created by, or the little tramp that was created by Charlie Chaplin, mm. where he appeared as Charlie Chaplin, uh, as the little tramp in various scenarios, always the same, the hat, the suit, the mustache, the, the, the black eye shadow, the, the cane, the bamboo cane, and the, the walk. That familiar walk of his, and then, as time started to progress, I mean, I mean, I remember. I think I think it was in the '70s. Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you're aware of the American. Yeah, I know Andy
1: Kaufman. Yeah,
0: and if you see the film with Jim Carrey, they say that uh, there are reports that Jim Carrey got so method acting into the persona of Andy Kaufman. I forget. It just slipped my mind, the, the other character persona that he created with the hair and the mustache and the cigarette. Um, it was like the alter ego of Andy Kaufman. And I've actually even noticed that with you, when you do President Abonjo, there's an element of method acting where you really, you created an anthem, you created a currency, you created a capital city. Uh, but the interesting if i'm not mistaken do you or do you not now and then you will always as president of you will say laughter republic which is a fictional african country yeah so you actually say that as part of the the act that you're portraying yeah is that you for like you never turn around and say oh it's next to zaire it's next to kenya it's next to nigeria no
1: no i don't i don't I'm, and the reason you i do, do that There are a couple of things that you've uh, mentioned. Um, There's a reason I do that because the reason, one of the reasons why I created the fictional country is because I was so disillusioned with the country that I, my original country, which is Nigeria. Uh, And I reside in Britain at the moment and I'm obviously disillusioned with Britain as well because I just feel that um if you're that disillusioned why don't you create your own utopia and that's one of the reasons why i created love republic because i was just disillusioned with nigeria and look at what's happening in britain right now and um i just decided it'd be a good, good idea to have your own utopia have your own country and just have your own imagination your own wall going to your own world. what would it be like if you were running your country because these people who lead countries are no different from you and I, it's just that they've had the opportunities to get into power. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it, it was out of disillusionment. And then, and I also didn't want people to think that, uh, interestingly enough, on TikTok, someone said, I posted a video of myself going on a state, for president going on a state visit to Leicester. And um, it, it, the introduction was President Bonjo has arrived in Leicester. And mm-hmm. someone said, oh, in years to come, someone is going to be going to think that Love Republic public is um, a, a real country. And I wrote back and said, what do you mean that's not a real country? So what's really interesting about this mm. is that even though I have created this fictional country, even though I have created uh, a fictional president that doesn't exist the a spoof dictator, people, mm. unless I'm deluded, genuinely believe that they want it to exist. They want the character to exist. Mm. They want the country to exist because across the world, there are people who call themselves Lat Republics. There are people who say to President a bon you're my president. You know, there are people who genuinely believe that there is a country called Lat Republic. What does that say about society? What does that say about the government that they're or countries that they're located? It shows that they're not very happy with the countries that they're, you know, they, they also have bought into this idea, this imagination, this fictional idea that everyone thinks that you know that there's a serious message behind the joking on stage the the the, the fictional character the fictional presence if that makes sense because if you look at all the 192 countries none of them are making their citizens happy wherever you are Britain Nigeria America they're not they are all big. it's interesting how Western countries all third world countries, failed states. But actually, I think every country in the world is a failed country, apart from maybe New Zealand. That's just, that's just my opinion. So what do you do? You have to create your own utopia. If you had, if you had, if you believe that you could create one, then create one. What does it feel like? And it feels great. It just feels, I've been doing this for 11 years. And when you talk about method acting, it's really interesting you spoke about Jim Carrey. And I don't mind sharing this, when I first started performing as President of Bon jo, I had no idea I was doing character comedy. All I knew was I wanted to create something different. It's people who kept saying, oh, that's a character comedian. And I had to do my research at the very beginning. What? What's character comedian? I thought, I'm just being myself. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm just acting. And then all of a sudden, oh, have you heard about this character comedian?
0: One of the things I love about talking to you is you are literally the rare comedian that has the gift of conversation that can go on. If it wasn't like, I I think our loved ones would hate us if we were to to indulge in that. So I'm gonna go to the next question because it relates to what you just said beautifully, which is why a dictator? In the evolution of your identity as a performer, you could have created literally anything, right? could have been first premiere. You could have been like what, uh, like some people argue that RuPaul is a character and then other people argue, no, that's the, the drag queen uh, mm. trance uh, culture. It, there's all these shtick, but can you tell us about the influences around you that led you to creating this character specifically? Okay, a couple of things.
1: Um, One, I
0: told you that I um, am originally from Nigeria and from... Is it a, sorry to interrupt, is it a dictatorship in Nigeria or is it a... That's that's, going to answer your question. It's not a dictatorship
1: now, it's a civilian government, but during the time that I was in Nigeria, most of the time that I was in Nigeria, it was under dictatorship rule. Right. So we had several military officers and the likes of uh, Go on, General Go on, uh, Abacha, Babangida, these were all, um, majority of them were dictators. So, in my subconscious, subconscious mind, my idea of leadership is the military. It's never a civilian, you know. But I didn't know that that was in my subconscious mind at the time until when I arrived in the UK. And then, um, so that was one of the influences, the fact that mm-hmm. I grew up. On the dictatorship, military dictatorship. The second one was when Obama became president eleven years ago, mm. and um, it, uh, as you know, it was a moment in history. Um, yes, black we can. Man, yes, you can. A black man as president, and um, it made me reflect because uh, I, not that I had any leadership uh, intentions or ab- ambitions but I saw him on TV and I saw how my wife at the time was looking at him as if she really wanted to sleep with him. As if, as if I was like a failure. Denzel you know, Washington like, has become yeah, president. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost, it, I, I was, I wouldn't say I was jealous. I was just really drawn by the, by the attention that Obama was getting in my house. Obama this, and um, it got so bad that my wife, actually at the time, bought me two books to read, The Audacity of Hope and Dreams of My Father. So I, I, I just said to myself, I think I need to find a way of saving my marriage. There has to be a way of saving my marriage because I think my wife is falling in love with Obama. Okay. So um, I remember back in Nigeria, my nickname was Obonjo. Right. And I had done some research and I realized that Obama, the racist term for Obama is Obongo. So I just thought, perhaps maybe I should just study Obama a little bit. How did he do it? How did he become president? And um, and I just thought maybe if I put president to Obanjo, that sounds almost like Obama. And yeah. interesting enough, at the very beginning, I used to receive emails. When I say emails, tweets from Americans who were against Obama who used to tweet me because they thought. I was Obama. They thought you. Know? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. because
0: to be fair, most enemies of democracy can't read. Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, and if you remember, then Obama became president, and I followed him. I followed his his his. You know how he did it and how he was um, performing as president. And you remember um, one of the challenges he faced was the Republicans who genuinely, you know, it was, as far as I was concerned, it was high level racism of a a high order. And um, he had his flaws, but it was obvious that they were giving him a tough time. And when I started performing as president of I did it as a civilian rather than as a military man. And I went to a place called Stevenage. I was walking in Stevenage at the time, and I went past this military shop. And when I walked past that military shop, all I could remember were those Nigerian military dictators. And I also had Obama in my head and I just thought, wow, I think what Obama needs to do is that he's an African-American. Yeah, he's from Kenya, or he, you know, his father's from Kenya. Why doesn't he just adopt the approach of dictatorship? Why doesn't he just become a dictator? So I put on the uniform and I said, yes, this is what I need. And I wasn't even thinking of comedy. I just thought, let me go on stage in uniform and just talk, you know? And I did that at a place called Downstairs on the King's Head, and very um, wonderful comedy club. And I've been performing there for years. Mm. And the day I wore the uniform and I went on stage, look, the reaction was just totally different from when I was a civilian president. And um, the comedy promoter said to me, Mr. President, you have found your mojo. <laughs>
0: that was
1: it. That, that was it. So, if that was it, I just, I just, that was it. I just ended up wearing the uniform, developing the material, developing the character, and boom, Bob's your uncle. And and during that period, there was, I didn't realize at the time until I wrote the show, Press and Abundance of My Identity, mm. is that there was this tension between myself. And so what happened on stage was I would always go as President Bonjo, but deep down the Benjamin would always want to come out of the character if that makes sense. It does, And that's, and, and that's why the character has now become rather than a brutal dictator a benevolent dictator because President Bonjo is brutal and he is, and you even from when you see him and the way he dresses you can tell that this is a a brutal dictator, but as soon as he goes on stage, down the line, he shows empathy. He shows that he's a cuddly, lovable dictator. And that's a surprise, <laughs> that's, that's, and that's that's, a surprise for the audience. And I think the, that's me coming
0: out. It's the one phrase, I mean, cause like on a side note, I mean, like a dictator is a very strong position to take when creating a character. And it's not like you wake up on a Monday morning and go, I shall be a dictator, and, and to be fair, I mean, if you think dictators in history, you know, Pol Pot, Pinochet, Idi Amin, Mugabe, uh, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, these are not popular Stalin, <laughs> these are not popular people, yet you've managed to take the word dictator and make it lovable and make it fun, as you just mm-hmm. said. But, you know, we never hear about the early years of the president, you know, like have you or will you ever expound on this inception, like his origin story, or if you will, like, you know, like maybe President Obonjo, the early years.
1: Yes, there, there's um, there's stuff I have written about President Obonjo, the the early years, and um, it was also going to be part of uh, the new show called Stolen and as you know the issues around e4 and bbc studios last year so the whole idea was this year was to focus on pressing the bond's early years and yeah
0: i just want to explain to our listeners uh what year was this the t- um
1: the, the the e4 bbc studios thing was last year july 2019
0: Okay, so basically BBC and E4. E4 is a subsidiary of Channel 4. These are main terrestrial TV channels in the UK. They got together, they approached uh, another comedian, and they basically said to this comedian, we are going to create a comedy dictator, which was basically President Obonjo's character, that up until that year, it had been 10 years he'd been working on this character so and the comedian add insult to injury the bbc knew of president abonjo and the comedian that they approached was he a friend of yours no 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 no, no, no. He, he
1: just a couple of things he's not i don't know him um, ah, but he's okay. a comedy sure. actor he's a comedy ah. actor rather than comedian. Um, but that was that was last year but i think the, the 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 point that i was trying to make was that i'd written a show about the whole incident and I also it was an opportunity to actually let people see president Bonjo in the early years so I talk about how he was born and all that stuff and you know the, the early years of president Bonjo and uh, that was meant to happen this year but obviously we know general COVID arrived and uh, destroyed everything in terms of the comedy industry um yeah so yeah he, he, he he's not just a a forty-five-year-old man who just came out of the blue. Mm. <laughs> he has, he has, you know, lots of other stories to tell. But as you know, um, with comedy, unless you're doing a long-hour show, you're only allowed twenty minutes. So within that twenty minutes of a paid gig, there's only so much you can say. And um, on reflection, when I created the character, I was forty-five years of age. So the character began from the age of 45, if that makes sense. But yes, there's stuff that happened along the way. So for example, I I talk about the fact that um, my late father or the president's late father, Idi Ami Dada, had um, an uh, uh, an affair, illicit affair with a Nigerian woman. And that's why President Bonjo was born. Uh, But not many people know President Bonjo because uh, Idi Ami Dada, hid him away back in Nigeria. So even the Ugandans don't know that President Obonjo exists. Uh, And he's tried to reach out to uh, Ikiami Dada's children, you know, just to say, look, I'm I'm, I'm your brother. Dad never, ever said anything to you about me, but he had an affair with a Nigerian woman. And uh, I've been in Nigeria ever since, and I live in England. Yeah, so, you know, there's so much, backstory that I haven't really shared about, uh, the president. Uh, a lot of it is, and it's really weird. A lot of it is started at the age of 45, but there's so much more, but that is all written up ready for a show whenever that we're allowed to, to perform.
0: I've seen you've had more positive feedback the negative criticism with regards to your character being uh, dressed in military Mm. uh, uniform. And how do you handle the negative messages from the public and not internalize the most likely group that you have pissed off is highly trained in combat? I mean, if I... I mean, like, I have seen a couple of your exchanges with people and, you know, your interaction on social media regarding the subject of uh, a person that was in the army got very upset because of the insignia on my hat or Mm -hmm. uh, somebody said that the uniform belongs to a certain regiment. Mm -hmm. But you've also had many, many ex-military or even still serving in the military people that have come up to you and said, that was brilliant. You made me laugh Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle dealing with people that are trained to kill you?
1: Um, I've never ever thought that they were trying to kill me. Um, no, not trying, and, and trained. Never... <laughs>
0: yeah? They are trained. Not trying, they're trained. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know
1: I know. How do you handle people who are trying to kill you? I mean, that's that's a very um good um question. Uh, a couple of things. When I wore that uniform, I never saw it. Um I was very cautious. I wasn't I wasn't even aware what the message was as a result of wearing the uniform. Over the years, I picked up a few things. So, number one, some people actually find it really offensive that uh, a black man is wearing a uniform for, mm-hmm. for wow. the British Army uh, who have, in a way, committed atrocities around the world. Some people just don't find some people just find it really difficult. And I, I have a few black people who've spoken to me about it in the past to say. You know, I don't like what you do because the British army, you know, and the things that they did in Africa and so on and so forth, which is a fair point. point. Um, The second one is I have been overwhelmed by the number of ex-military and military people who have seen me on stage and who have basically said, wow, I really liked what you did, blah, 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 blah. They say, oh, I remind remind them of Mugabe, I remind them of Saddam Hussein. there's been two instances where after a gig, I get an email from from on my website from an audience member saying, look, I really have some medals that I have not been using for a while. I think you will like them. Do you mind if I send them to you as part for your act? And, you know, those are just really touching moments for me in terms of something that people were saying, oh, you shouldn't really be doing this. This is not the way you should do this. And uh, I'm just, you know, I, 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 have, I have an independent mind and you will always have critics, but, and, and I have those medals. Now, one of the things, because I like knew it was comical, mm-hmm. one of the things I knew I wanted to do because I got criticized as well, That as a, a president, you should have more medals. You should have <laughs> more stripes. And you know, why are you wearing white for a Actually, thinking about it, there are two things. One for me was the fact that if I'd made it so real that it wouldn't be comedy, if that makes sense, then it would be so real. Because even it looks real, it's only if you're an army enthusiast or someone who's knowledgeable about the army and army uniform, you will know that the army uniform is in such a state that this is not real. Yeah. Mm. And I made a concerted effort that I wasn't going to make it so real, like I could easily have dressed like Sacha Bowen, or, or, or Idi Ami Dada, with all these metals,
0: exaggerated, yeah,
1: I don't need to do that. And I also said to myself, if I do that, then it looks like I'm copying Sacha Bowen, or I'm copying Idi Ami Dada. That's the first point. Mm. The second point was, uh, because I haven't still haven't had the opportunity to be on TV. Mm. I, and the way I saw my comedy career was that I was rising through the ranks. The president was rising through the ranks. He did open mic and then he became a semi-professional and became a professional. And, uh, and and every time he moved up the comedy ladder, he promoted himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, so he promoted himself and then he would give himself award himself some medals. So my view is that when the president eventually ends up on TV, whatever TV show it is, mm. then he can become a general, then he can have more medals. You understand what I'm saying? So mm. it's almost like I'm copying how, I'm, I'm serving my time in the army. I'm serving my time in the comedy army. You know, you just don't mm. jump from a surgeon to um, general. And when people criticize me and say, oh, you wear, you're wearing a surgeon's uniform, and you know, it's all over the place. Most dictators or most military officers in Africa started in the junior ranking position mm. yeah they started even when they they had their coups they started in the junior ranking position the likes of Rawlings, you know started from ghana started in the junior ranking position it's only when they got into power then they started promoting themselves yeah even even Dada did not become field marshal straight away when he became the leader of uganda it took him a couple of years, and then he started promoting. So that, that's that's the, 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 the reflection there. In terms of whether um, people are offended, mm. uh, you know we currently live in a snowflake, cancel culture, everyone gets offended by everything. That's the way I see uh, the offence, apparent offence that the character creates by just wearing the uniform. And I don't, I, I make them see reason that look, this is comedy, you know, life is so tough that we need comedy in our lives. Mm. And I'm doing something different. And people appreciate it. You know, it's not like people really, I remember the very, during those days of, uh, of traveling across the UK, and I was coming from a gig in Bristol. Mm. And what happens is, it's not that I, I do it intentionally to wear the uniform while I'm on the train. Even though I get material from just wearing the uniform on the train, I was just literally so tired. It was a case of headline the gig, get on the train, straight back into London and I wanted to get home on time. So there were times when I had to wear the uniform and I was sitting down uh, in a carriage and there were these drunk lads and they were drunk and there were two other people who were next to me and they were looking at me and I, they could t- they really just, some people just look at me and just laugh. And I think they laugh because they see the, 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 the how funny the, the uniform looks and it's that they're laughing. So I could tell that these two guys appreciated that I was in uniform, but there were three other people and they were making some remarks and you could tell that they were making some really, you know, abusive remarks and eventually they couldn't help it any longer. So one of them confronted me and said, you shouldn't really be wearing that uniform. You haven't served in the army. And I didn't even say anything. These other two guys ended up almost fighting these other guys saying, so leave him alone, it's comedy. That's the first time I've had five white men fight over a black man, you know, but, you know and really- f- and, <laughs> not for the,
0: and, and, and not fighting over you as that's my slave. No, no, it's my slave, God damn it. <laughs>
1: But it was, it was just fun to see that these yeah. two guys were ready to defend me. And that's the beauty of comedy. And for me, that's the beauty of, of being an independent, resilient uh, person. You, you, you need to stand your calling. You need to be able to stand alone. You need, you need to be yourself. And being in that uniform on that day was being myself. This is who I am. So accepting for who I am. It's not like it's not like I am pretending. It's not like I, 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 I present myself and I say, guess what? I'm President of from the British Army. I don't do that. I say I'm President of Bonjour from Laughter Republic Army. It's 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 so ridiculously funny that I don't understand. And, and then after a while, I got another email from someone and he said, I don't even know whether you are a real army officer, but I take offense by the fact that you're wearing a royal artillery hat. And people have said to me, oh, don't wear that royal artillery hat, maybe just change the badge. And I just said to myself, I think, actually, I know there is a bit of racism going here because if I was a white person, a white comedian wearing an army uniform, would you tell me that I have no right to wear that uniform? Would you tell me that, oh, I shouldn't make comedy out of it. When you have the likes of Black Adder, you, do, you see, do you see where I'm coming from?
0: Absolutely. It's, okay. I, it's, 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 okay. it's okay for
1: white people, it's okay for white people to wear an army uniform in comedy, for comedy, but it's not okay for a black person to wear an army uniform. Get the hell out of here, my friend. Get the hell out of here. I will do what I want.
0: And it's very funny that you mentioned Black Adder because for our listeners that may or may not know, Black Adder is Rowan Atkinson. The person behind Mr. Bean and Johnny English back in the early 80s we used to work on a show called Black Adder that was uh, set in a historical backdrop uh, set in during Elizabethan times during Prince George and then in World War One where Rowan Atkinson, Hugh Laurie, uh, to, uh, the one who plays Baldrick what's his name Tony Robinson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: these men these comedians these actors would wear world war one regalia now i don't know which era your uniform comes from but exactly you raised the most powerful valid point if it was a caucasian european american canadian white man in uniform would they have even you know if anything they might have saluted they might have so there is a very you do raise a very important question because not a question, sorry, you raise an important hypothetical question statement, which is, is it to do with race? And what's interesting to race, and this wasn't on the questions I didn't take into a, like, I, you say you're 40, you're, you were 45. So I'm not going to ask your age because you know, my mother raised me better than that, Mm -hmm. but, but we all know that black don't crack, Mm -hmm. but, um, like, I myself, uh, I'm 44, and only this year, in light of the BLM, the Black Lives Matter movement, did a friend of mine point out to me that I am a person of color, and I completely forgot, as an Arab, as half Egyptian, half Iraqi, with Kurdish roots, you know, that able to speak Arabic, different dialects of Arabic, that mm-hmm. I am a person of color as well. I had lived in London so long that I'd forgotten my own identity, whereas mm. black people, uh, you know, people of African um, uh, Caribbean heritage, they don't even have to speak, whether they speak like Trevor MacDonald, well-spoken, whether they have mm. Lenny Henry's accents, whether they have like a very strong Idi Amin portrayed by Forrest Whitaker, mm. last King of Scotland, even if they have the the archetypal African accent, mm-hmm. they don't even have to speak and they will get the receiving end of some form of racism, some form yeah. of bias. I think taking the, because like if we start to go into the racism of our industry, I think I'd have to bring you on for another episode <laughs> and we can talk about race relations in comedy. Well,
1: but but I, I, I need to make one point because about the, 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 there's the there's a negative side of it where I've spoken about the fact that You know, I think some of it is to do with racism, the way some of these ex-military officers have behaved. But there's also, what's really interesting is, I I don't, when I'm in uniform as the president, the amount of respect I get, I call it, I almost call it military privilege. You know, you've got white Mm -hmm. people who have white, military privilege mean okay. privilege okay. yeah with you yeah so you've got you've got white privilege i've yeah. got military privilege yeah. it's, just, it's unbelievable yeah. the respect i get from it that almost in a way it almost destroys racism for that moment that they are saluting me do you understand what i'm saying it's like okay they might be racist but for that moment that they see me they're saying, wow, this is a black man. Because how many black men do you see on the streets of Britain as army officers? Not many. Talk less of a general. So when they see, it's like, wow. Thank you for your service. You got I'm, almost about, I'm, I'm almost about stopping people to say, look, this is comedy. I haven't served. Don't tell me thank you for my service because... I'm not in the British Army, but that's the amount of respect I get as a result of that character.
0: Uh, I'm only going to quickly say I wasn't going to mention this, but uh, if we have any American or Canadian listeners, they have this ongoing issue with stolen valor, and I think I told you about it. I sent you the videos about yeah, yeah. But you've never done that. Like you won't go into a coffee franchise. In uniform, expecting free coffee. No, I I wouldn't do that.
1: But there are people who assume. They make the assumption. Uh-huh. I don't. And and uh-huh. very briefly, I remember traveling again from a gig, and I was on the train, and I was in what you call the non-first class train. So it wasn't the first class carriage. It was the you know the one for commoners,
0: and. <laughs> Peasant class. Peasant class.
1: Yes. And this ticket inspector saw me, and as soon as he saw me, he wouldn't even let me have a word. He was just basically saying, oh, blah, 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 blah. you served in the army, my parents were in the army, blah blah, 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 I am moving you to first class just because of the way I was dressed. So I said, okay, fine, this is fun. Let, let's do this. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, not going to turn I'm, down
0: first free. I'm not going to turn down going to first class. I'm not going to turn down
1: going to first class. And I,
0: I, it's not like I've said,
1: oh, guess what? I'm from the, uh, the, the the regiments of wherever. And then he took me to first class. Yeah. And then he looked at the state, which is the point I was saying. He looked at the state of the uniform. And when he saw the state of the uniform, all over the place, even the shoes I wear, are not having shoes, the socks could be pink. You know, because I tried to you know, play down a little bit. And then he said, sir, what regiment are you, sir? What regiment are you from? I said, I've been trying to tell you that I am not a British army officer. I've been trying to tell you that this is comedy. I'm from the war of mirth. And he just busted out laughing. He just busted out laughing. <laughs>
0: Laughter, comedy transcends hate. And,
1: and, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make. And then he,
0: he literally just said,
1: Sir, you have made me so happy because these people are frontline walkers and they get a lot of abuse, tough time, and abuse. And here I am making this guy laugh. And he just said, Sir, you remain in first class for the end of your journey.
0: See, American and Canadian listeners, people can wear military uniform, not with the intention of stealing valor. Yeah. Yeah. Now, conversely, the positive reception of the president, like how does the positive reception of the president as potentially conflicting character help you overcome creator's block and shape your desire to see him continue to evolve along the rest of the art you create? So like How do you overcome creator's block? Because as you said earlier, there are times when you want to go on stage as Benjamin Bello, Mm -hmm. and then there are times that you take the uniform with you with the intention of being Benjamin Bello, but on the last minute, you're suddenly like, you know what, F this, and you put the uniform on.
1: Well, you know what's really interesting is the lockdown As much as people have said that it's been um, tough and it's been tough on a lot of people for a number of reasons, it was a real opportunity for me to um, think about the character and where I wanted it to go, because one of the things I noticed when I was performing all over the country was the fact that before the lockdown, I was never ever regarded as a political comedian. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So you'll have people who will say, "Oh, that guy is really great. He's a left-wing comic," or that person is really great. He's a right-wing comic. And I said to myself, "Am I actually missing a trick here?" Because the president came on a state visit to see the queen, and um, he remained in the UK on exile because he discovered comedy and started so performing comedy. And his people in Africa found out. He had started performing comedy, he wasn't on the state visit, and he remained there ever since. But the president has always shied away from talking about politics out of respect for the governments who run their country. So he's based in Britain, and hardly would you hear him talk about the state of Britain or talk about the state of British politics.
0: So. Mm. Don't you you sometimes say that Trevor McDonald is on your cabinet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very, it's
1: very, when you look at the material, it's a mixture of politics and a mixture of, yeah, exactly. So um, it got me thinking during the lockdown, even before the lockdown, I've been thinking about where to take the character. Um, Because I've done the show Goodbye, Mr. President, which was to show the vulnerable side of. Of, of the president, and then I wanted to do something totally different. And I just thought, actually, there is a gap in the market. There is a gap in the market because there isn't a stand-up dictator anywhere in the world. We know that democracy has been around for who knows how long. I know, for example, in Britain, they always have a general election. when they have a general election, it's the same policies all the time. We want to sort out the NHS. We want to sort out education. We want to sort out unemployment. It's as if they can't fix it. And they always complain about dictators. Oh, we need to get rid of Saddam Hussein. But actually, some of these dictators, before they got rid of them, Libya, for example, free electricity, free education. There are so many examples of things that these dictators have done for their people. Okay, fine. Questionable in terms of what they did to their people, but there are some really positive things. Hear me out.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to cut. Don't worry. And I said,
1: I think what needs to happen here is if you have left-wing comics Mm -hmm. complaining about the British government, if you have right-wing comics complaining about uh, left-wing politics, why can't you have a dictator complain about democracy? Why can't you have a dictator comment about the state of democracy? I'll give you an example. I was looking yesterday at the number of deaths in terms of COVID between mm-hmm. Western countries and non-Western countries, and you will not believe it. The number of deaths in Western st- countries is staggering. It is unbelievable. It's staggering.
0: Right. And
1: what is really interesting is that these Western countries are comparing themselves instead of comparing themselves to other non-Western countries who have been able to reduce.
0: The number of deaths, but yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's just, this is a important thing. Um, I learned this from university a long time ago that certain countries, I'm not going to name any in particular, so I don't get into trouble, but certain countries, they tend to, um, have terrible record statistical data keeping. So, the information and plus you remember throughout this year of COVID there was a lot of articles and people on social media talking about the inflation of the numbers or that numbers are being inflated so continue Sorry, I
1: hear
0: you and I, I know
1: where you're coming from I understand your school of thought but the point I'm trying to make is if you had said that in the U.S as an example, that you will have that many deaths in the leader of the free world, the greatest country on earth, the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest countries on earth. Do you, do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Compared to other countries that do not have that much wealth but have been able to reduce the number of deaths. What does that actually say about democracy? Yeah. it's So it's, it's, uh, where I'm coming from is the dictator has lived in the West mm. for so long. Can see how unhappy people are. I mean, yesterday was pandemonium in Britain. One minute they said, yes, you can meet within your bubble. There's going to be Christmas family. Then all of a sudden at four o'clock, there was an announcement to say we're canceling Christmas at four, 4 o'clock. Yes. At, after four o'clock yesterday. There were people who were at the place.
0: Did Santa get the memo that Christmas is canceled?
1: I don't know, I don't know. What I'm trying to say to you is there is a gap in the market about dictators actually talking about how democracy has its own weak institutions, how democracy does not meet the needs of the people, how it's such an over-exaggerated system of government. You just have to, if, 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 I think for me, America has lost more people than in 9-11.
0: But you are not going to see any army invading uh, hospital to fight the virus, are we?
1: Yeah, no, we're not going to see any, imagine if that happened. Imagine it was an African country that had 300,000 deaths. Yes, we need to do something about it. They are pressurizing the president of that country. Leave office. They would be talking about human rights abuse. Be talk- do you understand what I'm saying? This, these are the, the, that's why I genuinely believe that people can do what they want to do, whether they're left wing or right wing. But for me, that character needs to be talking and has started talking about the state of politics in the world, especially mm. these countries who believe they are better and more superior than all these smaller countries.
0: It's funny because uh, I'm I've just gotten this funny image of trump refusing to leave the white house and then the pentagon sending in the army into the white house to pull trump out kicking and screaming my friend
1: there has been talk of general michael flynn actually saying to president trump get the army involved so that you can overturn the elections that is not an African country that that was said, that is the United States of America, the greatest country on earth. So you can see where I'm coming from. The system, as far as I'm concerned, is broken. And the dictator, that's where President Abonja comes in to say, "Look, look at what you have as a way of governing your people. Democracy is a virus, it does not work. We need to flatten the curve. It doesn't. The number of U-turns. I know this is not about politics, but the number of u that we've seen in Britain. I actually tweeted today: if Boris Johnson can U-turn on Christmas, he sure can U-turn on Brexit. Cancel Brexit. Do you see where I'm coming from? So there's something hurriedly wrong. That you know they change the government every five years. It's the same issue we want to fix the NHS. It doesn't matter who's there. They're always trying to fix the NHS. Doesn't that mean that the system is broken?
0: I heard this quote many years ago, and I wasn't sure if it was legitimately true that he said this. Michael Heseltine, who was the former shadow secretary to Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. uh, for our American listeners, shadow secretary in British politics is the equivalent of Secretary of State. Yeah. And Thatcher was the first woman prime minister. And so Michael Heseltine once said if voting could change anything, it would be illegal. Yeah, And I only have to look at social media to see the side effect of such a bipartisan dichotomy existing between the pro-left wing, the, the pro-right wing. And what's even interesting is I'm pretty sure when I was studying politics at university, that being left wing or right wing isn't a good thing. I remember that, like I remember because yeah. one of them is the foundation of fascism and the other one is the foundation of socialism.
1: You know, my friend,
0: mm. it causes division.
1: People have forgotten what it's like to be a human being. You know, mm. it's either you're on the left or you're on the right. I call, I call them left wing human beings and right wing human beings. They wake up every morning. They see a political subject matter. They don't even think about the impact. They don't think about the impact of their comments and what it actually means to a decent human being. All they think of is I'm on the left, you are on the right. And we can agree, period. These left wing, blah, 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 these right wing people. But I don't know whether you're religious, but, and if you believe in religion or you believe in science. But Yo, when,
0: inshallah, yeah. Ya Rabbi, which means yeah. get when, me into heaven, because this is yeah. seriously hell. When, when God created human beings, for those who
1: believe that, mm. did He create them and said, yes, left wing human being? and right wing human being. he just created
0: human beings. You know, I had this funny thought I was telling my American friends yesterday and I'm aiming this to all American listeners. When an American gets into a political rant at Starbucks because the Starbucks staff are telling them you need to wear your mask. This is not, I don't need to wear a mask. It's not in the constitution. Really, let's go back in time. 1780s george washington ben franklin uh tom all these you know the the forefathers of the american constitution when they were sitting and drafting up the declaration of human rights and the i mean sorry the declaration of independence and the constitution they were going all men are equal except the coloreds absolutely i've got my slaves you know You know, God created man in his, and we are all equal. Yes, 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 yes. We have the right to bear arms except black people, correct. Um, And then around three to 400, maybe even 500 years from now, there should be a plague upon this world. And then we should have people wear masks. Do you know how crazy it's gonna sound in this constitution if we write that in 400 years, what are you gonna be able to tell us the lottery numbers next, Benjamin? You know, mm-hmm. it's like the ridiculousness. Of course, it's not in the constitution. The constitution was written at a time when it took 10 minutes to load a gun, you know? Yeah, but anyway, I think mm. for me,
1: I hope I've answered that question that You, you- now How do you overcome
0: to... your creator's
1: block? Yeah, so in a way, there is no creator's block uh, per se, because I'm very clear about where I want to go with the president, but also the politicians are making it so easy for me. You know, with the number of mistakes over the last nine months, the president just laughs. And And what frustrates the president is that he hasn't had the opportunity to actually be on stage because of COVID, but geez, there's so much going on. I mean, America is a good
0: example. You, you know, know it's I, funny you should say America because of all the presidents in the history of presidents, there's never been a more amusing president than me. I'm like the most amusing pro- Oh, thank you for joining us, Donald. Yeah, it's okay. I just want to say that the recount needs to happen because I'm not leaving the White House because, you know, I, I, just, or I just got these new business cards that says commander in chief. I can't leave, you know, like exactly. The politicians, and, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, they are walking exclamation marks of humor and stupidity and absurdity and ridiculousness that it's almost impossible to say. The, the, latest, the latest one
1: was when this guy, Michael Flynn, said Trump should get the army involved. And President Bon jo did a video on TikTok. Oh. And Addressed it to Michael Flynn and, and President Trump to say, "Look, I am an experienced military officer who has been involved in overturning elections. All you need to say is ask for my help, and we will send the Laughter Republic Army because the U.S. Army doesn't want to get involved. We will help you overturn the elections. I mean, that's how ridiculous it is. You know, you just you just need to take the word America and listen to what's happened." since the elections. And you will think it's an African country, even Ghana. Ghana successively uh, had a very good election without no issues, you know, the the, the opposition leader lost
0: and conceded, boom, end of story. Even China have never had an election. Um, <laughs> sorry to all our Chinese listeners, the definition of irony, Benjamin, free Tibet stickers made in mm. China. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, we've come, we, we, I've asked the questions. I, I, I hope you felt that you've enjoyed being a guest on the show with no name. Well, usually, I have this section where I sort of say shameless plug. And in honor of your Nigerian heritage, I Google translated shameless plug in Hausa, which is. Toshi Marar Kunya. I don't know if I said that right, or if that's mm-hmm. the right phrase, or you're well, probably you might, thinking. You might, you, you, you
1: might have assumed that I am Awusa because of my son named Bello, but I'm not. I am actually Yoruba. Uh, so there are three there are three main tribes. There's Yoruba, Igbo, and Awusa. It doesn't mean that the other tribes are not important, mm. but the I come from the Yoruba tribe. Um, But I also have a name called Bello and that son name is mainly another name. But um, what I know has happened is that my late, 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 late who knows, great-great-grandfather, their family moved from the North over to the West. And that's why I I come from
0: Yoruba. I, I looked it up in Yoruba, plug Etiju. (laughs) <laughs> shameless plug which is where our guests get to promote so in Yoruba plug itiju. what it's is going on <laughs> I hope you don't think I'm being racist when I switch into my, my African accent
1: no you, you've actually tried to meet my needs and that is fine in terms of shameless plug you know what's really interesting I've never understood this term shameless plug or shameless promotion because for me if you don't promote yourself, no one else will, unless you are successful, no one else will. So it's an opportunity. So a couple of things. One is obviously uh, the president has his own podcast. It's called If Comedians Rule the World, and, and you've been on it. Uh, so look out for it, President Bonjo. He's the only dictator, once again, the only dictator to have a podcast, the only dictator to force people to come on um to his podcast, he tells them what, he needs, what they want to talk about and they talk about it. There's no editing because it's freedom because you guys are always talking about freedom of speech in, 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 in your democratic country. So he doesn't edit anything out. It's just, yeah, I give you freedom. Here's the freedom and that's, and that's what happens. So there's the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, I'm writing my new show um, called Stolen. It was actually written, but things have changed. So I'm making amendments to it. And uh, it's not actually my show, it's President Abonjo. I'm looking to develop um, myself as a comic as well. Uh, There are so many things that have happened uh, because this is what's really interesting. Um, Mm. I've spent the last 11 years and I will continue to do so in terms of uh, President Abonjo, performing as President Abonjo. But the lockdown has made me also think about myself as a person, as the fact that I also have, and it's odd, but I also have this creative outlet as myself and I need to explore that. And so I'm intending to do that. I have lots of material I have written uh, and there's, there's so much that people haven't heard about me as a person rather than as a character mm. that I think will be mind-blowing depending on if they give me. My challenge would be that, like I said, a lot of promoters want to hear from the president, which makes me really, really jealous and angry rather than as me as a person. So I've, I've got something to prove uh, to people that I can perform as myself consistently and, and be as funny as well. Um, I'm looking to write a sitcom as well that won't be stolen um, by anybody, but I'm going to be writing a sitcom. And um, what else? I want to enjoy life more. I think if if there's anything that the lockdown has taught me was I spent a number of years running around and I had to because I wanted to get better as a comic. I don't need to prove to anyone now that I'm funny. I know I am funny. I know that I can do it. But I I also need that balance uh, because comedy can be quite obsessive And I have to admit that the lockdown, this is the first time in 11 years that 2020, I could easily say I wore the uniform less compared to all the other years, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: it does. does. Yeah, and
1: and it makes you reflect. Um, It makes you reflect and it makes you rediscover things that you didn't know because I was just so consumed in the comedy world, really consumed. And comedy still matters to me but there are other things that matters too. That
0: is true. There, are, uh, I, 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 I've the last time I performed uh, stand up in Egypt was November the twentieth, two thousand nineteen, and uh, I haven't performed. And twenty twenty has been a year where I literally took stock and started to do a lot of things that I can do at home, like this podcast. Yes, okay, 12 months late into 2020, but still, happening. And I've really enjoyed having you on my show. Um, I will send you the link, and obviously there'll be- You 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 know what's
1: gonna happen, sorry to interrupt. Now that you've got me involved in this, um, I'm going to have to report back to the president and he's going to be demanding that he comes onto your show um, you know, I don't know uh, because he was not very very happy but I was the one who was asked to come but I said to him look let me go because I'm the one who writes your jokes anyway so let me go and present myself and report back to you and let you know how I enjoyed the experience um, yeah
0: well Mr. Mr. Bello, I, I have to say that um, the president is a force to be reckoned with, and the show with no name would end up being vacuumed up into the president's media machine, and it would stop. And I would lose my identity, and I might even get sent to an internment camp in Baghdad. So I don't need that stress. So. Just extend my here. apologies maybe in season two maybe in season two of the podcast i will bring president but i want to focus more on benjamin Bello, your career mm-hmm. i wish you luck thank you so much for being on my show all the information for benjamin will be at the bottom of this episode on anchor fm anchor fm don't pay me for saying this but i'll say it anyway anchor fm gives me exclusively unlimited data storage capacity until they change their terms and conditions, of course. This has been Safe Abukan Deals, the show with no name, with guest Benjamin Benco- Bancole Bello. Yes, Bancole means build a house. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, my parents were having sex in an empty house when they created me.
0: Oh. Okay. Okay, moving on from that <laughs> marvelous image of Benjamin's parents knocking boots and thinking of names. Um, this has been Sepe Bukendios, the show with no name, with Benjamin Bancoli Bello, and as we say in Yoruba, "Plug itiju, which is a shameless plug. If you want to brush up on your Yoruba, and yes. thank you. Uh, peace be upon you, listeners. Namaste and all that jazz and come to the next episode